0: following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. We want to welcome our online listeners this morning. This is, if you remember correctly, those of you who are listening to our podcast each week, this is part two of Identification for the Psychological Area of Life. If you're just jumping in on Part 2 and you want to listen to Part 1, go back to the podcast library and find Identification for the Psychological Area of Life. And I think that we actually put on the title Part 1. It is very, very critical that you listen to Part 1 if you're going to get the full context of Part 2. This particular podcast is one of my favorites, because we're actually going to be talking about this, the topic of the mind of man and the mind of Christ. I believe, for me, that is the most interesting topic of Christianity. Because everything is birthed in one or the other, is it Not? Seriously, it's either birthed in my mind, or it's birthed in the mind of Christ. What I take action on controls everything, right? But see, when we become born again, we're not given a brand new brain. So you say, well, how in the world did Christ's mind get in us? Well, that is an interesting question, and it does need to be answered today. Because you're used to hearing that mind equals brain. Demons don't think like that. Angels don't think like that. Jesus doesn't think like that. Are you following me? Because if you say thinking is brain, biology... You're missing the whole point of the Scriptures. Where does thoughts come from? It's a good question. Where are they dumped into? That's a good question. So we got to take a look at that today. The war becomes between what are we thinking, for my thoughts are not his thoughts, and my ways are not his ways, and what is he thinking? So if you're a type of Christian that believes that Jesus is an external Savior, He's standing next to you, that's why when I sing praises to the Lord and and in my prayer time, I don't look to heaven. I may raise my head in worship because it is an exaltation action. But it's all from within. It's a release of the Holy Spirit having worship with Jesus Christ. Shannon, you want to read, because I think you left off at verse 4, right? That's correct. Right. Would you uh, look down, I think it's a verse or two.
1: Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit, which He has made to dwell in us. But He gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the crowd, and He's to.
0: Now, the verses above that, if you read those, they're heavy duty saying, what is the source of conflict and quarreling among you? Is it not your own members waging war with itself? You want and you have not, so you ask, but you ask with the wrong motive so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Do you know that the face is what reveals The heart. It's not the eyes. It's the face. There are over 500 references in the Word of God, the facial expressions. The the face carries what is in the heart. You can see judgment, hatred, bitterness, disbelief, you can see all of that on a person's face. And that's why people avoid social contacts with truthsayers. They don't want people to see the bitterness and hatred and conflict among them. This passage that Jesus' half-brother is, is revealing is basically saying this. What is the source of all of your conflicts? It's very, very simple. You want your flesh indulged. And where does it take us? To this passage that says, do you think the Scriptures speak for no purpose? For God jealously craves the Holy Spirit that indwells you. Do you, do you understand that? Your conflicts is stopping God and Jesus Christ having pure, simple fellowship with the Holy Spirit inside the believer. It's all about the mind of Christ in you. And conflict blocks relationship between Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit with inside your mortal body. That's the point. So conflict and quarrels and arguing and fussing and immorality and all the stuff that James is mentioning is real simple. You're just simply saying, life's about me. Don't you all get it? Read it on my face. I hate you. I don't forgive you. I resent you. I am embittered. So? So if you are. Should the whole world be affected by your downtrodden face? They say yes. That's what James is talking about here. He's saying life isn't about you. Do you realize there's people that go to hell every day? Actually, Hades. Hell's the final place. Every single day, all day long, there are people dying by the time you take your next breath. And they're going to hell or Hades. You say, what a harsh God. We'll see. We'll see someday all these judgmental people that are calling God harsh, calling God too tough, calling God all kinds of things, turning them into a bowl of jello, mushy, lovey, lovey, lovey. One day we're going to all see by our own spiritual eyes, those on the Haiti side and those on the heaven side. We're all going to see and confess that Jesus Christ is God. And every one of His decisions was righteous. You see, He knows what you're going to think three minutes from now. He knows if you're judging your teachers. He knows if you're judging your husband, your wife, your children, your friends. He already knows your condemnation before you have the thought. So why does He make a decision not to accept certain people? It's pretty simple. You're stepping into sovereignty. Do you understand that? You are stepping into sovereignty. You're not in control of sovereignty. You can stay bitter your entire life. It's not going to change anything. One bitter king is not going to change eternal destiny. It doesn't change anything. In fact, when you get into your 80s and 90s, you wake up one day and go, why have I been bitter my whole life? What was the point? I'll tell you what the point is. You are a person of vengeance. Bitterness is vengeance. And it's saying, I will pay you back. For what discomfort you have caused me. And God still looks at that and and your point is, should I change my eternal destination for you, sweetie? Can you pitch in a fit for 43 years? No, He won't. That's the earth-shattering reality of Christianity. God won't change for your fits. That's just the warm-up. Now I want to give you the sermon. Before we do that, let's take a look at a scripture. Those of you listening online, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. So our sermon today is not on the full chapter. I want to point out to you how Paul closes this letter to... These people he is warning about who have switched to worshiping creatures rather than the Creator. But a natural man does not accept the things of the, the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. This, this, uh, warning that is directly connected to the Romans in chapter 1, I believe it is, starting at verses 18 to the end of the chapter, Paul is making a connection here that is when you speak of the mind of Christ, when you speak of the mystery of Christ in you, that a natural man who is worshiping creatures is not going to get it. They're simply spiritually appraised. They're not going to get it. You cannot expect unsaved people natural people people of nature to get it now that raises a very interesting question why not i know some very very bright unsaved people i know because of the work that we do in creation scientists creationism versus science Some very, very, very bright people. And they're dead as a doornail when it comes to understanding uh, having the mind of Christ in you. They don't get it. What are you talking about? So before we move forward, you need to understand the passage out of Romans chapter 1 about people worshiping creatures is directly connected to them Not getting the greatest mystery known to the body of Christ. When we look at the full passage of 1 Corinthians, we actually get to see the fact that God actually reveals himself through spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. Well, natural man doesn't get it. So when someone asks you, well, Finney, where would you get that insight on blah, blah, blah? I just say, from the spirit of the living God that lives in me. Oh, yeah, really. When people talk to you like that, it is evidence they're not saved. See, when you have the mind of Christ in you, but you've never been really trained on what it really means, you get it. You hear truth and you go, yes. But see, someone who hears spirit oriented truth that comes directly from the mind of Christ, if they're not saved, they don't say, yes. See, God's a God of the yes. What they do say is, hmm, uh huh, sure. They analyze. They piece it down. They piece it back together. They they have an attitude in their mind. Whatever. There's no appeal to the spirit of the living God in them. Because it isn't in them. There's no spirit bearing witness with truth. So they have no desire to grow. They have no desire to want to know What does that mean for me in my daily living? What do they end up doing? Defending that dogs go to heaven. But, anyone who debates me, I step back. And then I step away. Because what they're asking for is a human logical reasoning of something that's already been answered. They're not asking questions on, could you help me understand this uh, passage on, you know. No, that's not what they're doing. They're debating the Almighty God in what He has stated, stated to be the truth to set people free. They're debating God. What you do unto the least of these, my brethren, you do unto God. It isn't about us. So when someone is debating they're testing God, I step back. But if they want to have a healthy discussion about the Word, I step forward. See, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They just don't. And those of you who are listening from other countries, I'm telling you this day, this hour, You mustering up your interpretation of the scriptures is nothing more, nothing less than you revealing the ignorance of your natural man. It is the spirit of the living God that owns the truth, who is the truth, who speaks the truth, reveals the truth. You don't get to go to heaven unless the spirit reveals it to you. You don't get to do anything of the scriptures. unless the Spirit reveals it to you. Simple. You have no control. You can work and work and work and work and work to figure out the scriptures and you're not going to get it. Like my buddy who has three master's degrees in Bible And translating things over to whatever language, and he was not saved. I just simply looked across the desk and said, his name is in the back of, in the front of Bibles. And I said, when when did you receive the life of Christ? Let's just start there. Well, it just depends on your definition. Well, did you grow up in the church? Well, yeah, my father was a scholar. Why well, didn't ask you if your father was a scholar? When did you receive Jesus Christ? And he says, "Well, I grew up in the church. So I said, "Because you rented a pew, you're going to heaven." Now this is a very, very, very bright man who's been translating our scriptures, and he's a natural man. He's as dead as a doorknob, spiritually. Those of you who know the story, he received Christ that day. He's more than a translator today. He understands the Word because the Word lives in him and bears witness with what he reads. Translation came alive for this guy. If you're a natural man, you just can't understand the Spirit. For they are foolishness to him or her. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. Read it for yourself in the Greek. They are spiritually condemned. means you go to hell. Nobody who's going to hell gets one letter of the law to take with them. Not one letter gets to go to hell. That's why God won't won't reveal any truth unless the spirit of the living God does an exchange in that person. Because not one letter of truth gets to go to hell. Only lies. So there's going to be millions that stand before the throne of God and say, I casted out demons in your name. I preached in your name. I performed miracles in your name. And what does Jesus say to them? Listen online listeners very, very carefully. There are many that will stand before Jesus Christ and say, I preached in your name. I translated in your name. I did missions in your name. I did healings. And what does Jesus say to them? For I know you not. You see, because they were a natural man, since they didn't understand the Spirit of God inside indwelt Christians, they made it up. It's called second-hand Christianity. They're living off their husband's Christianity. They're living off their child's Christianity. They're living off their pastor's Christianity. As for the sake of my friend, he was living off his daddy's Christianity. Grew up in the church. Those are the most dangerous Christians that walk in the face of the earth, are those that grew up in a church. Unless that pastor and preacher was preaching the truth of the simple fact is, if you're a natural man, you're going to hell. If you want to be of the spirit of the living God, you must get born again. You must receive the life of Christ. You must have the Holy Spirit placed in you. You must have the mind of Christ in you. You get those simple pieces, no matter what church you grow grow up in, you've got yourself a good preacher. Not rockababying, lullabying, lying to body members, saying they're going to be okay. Because they're good people. Good people go to hell every single day. By the time you take your next breath. Someone went to Hades. Doesn't that bother you? I am so sick of the way that the world is being lied to by preachers with their fruity-tooty sermons of making people feel good. What is up with that? What, that we paved the road to hell for them with gold? Yeah, that's kind of what we're doing. Well, he's not done. But he who is spiritual appraises all things. You and I who have received Christ are spiritual. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. You cannot appraise me. Only the Spirit of God can. Only the Spirit of God can search my heart. Then I know, and that's what this passage is about if you look above, the Holy Spirit searches your heart. He takes spiritual thoughts and puts them in a pastor or discipler that comes out as spiritual words, so that you can be ministered to by this person from the Spirit. Not from your preacher. Not from your discipler. The Holy Spirit. But no, we look at the ugly faces or the homely faces or the cute faces or the handsome faces and we go, that's who's telling me the truth. And then we check the box whether we're going to listen to that person. What you do unto the least of these, my brethren, you do unto God. There's some very ugly preachers I listen to. There's some preachers that don't have a real good style of preaching I listen to. But you know what? I know the truth of the living God is in them. My spirit bears witness with the spirit in them. We have turned Christianity into a yuppie, handsome, attractive... From the buildings, what we what we put on the outside of the buildings, to the pews. We argue over the carpets. We argue over the, the, the way we come to church. And we have turned the church into this image of beauty. Haven't you ever wondered about that one single passage? It's hinted in the Old Testament. Certainly brought out in the New Testament. But it says, Jesus was very unbecoming. It means ugly. Here the seed of God shows up in man as this unbecoming, which means hard for you to look at because it's so ugly, Jesus Christ. Your husband is ugly, according to standards of the church. But our preachers today are get facelifts. They they dress in such a way to show this crisp image, and that that people will have relationship with the image with, before they have relationship with the Christ in them. Do you see what happens? So they start dressing like them. They start doing whatever to fit in. So they attend churches that assist in that process. I can go to a high-end, million-dollar church as long as the preacher that wants to teach Christ in you, the mind of Christ in you. He wants the whole church, no matter where you're at, be preaching it. And that's what it's about. Finishes with this. For who has known the mind of the Lord that He will instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. Well, I don't know about you. Lord knows me obviously well enough. He's going to understand when I say this. Either God's a liar or there's so much truth you're staring at right now, it's too much for you to embrace. For we have the mind of Christ. Well, certainly isn't this brain. Hmm. Maybe the brain really isn't what conceives thoughts. Maybe they're spiritual. How does Satan attack you? I'm just curious. What have you been taught in the churches you've attended growing up? How does he attack you? What's these fiery missiles? Is it real fiery arrows? Don't remember feeling burn flesh. Well, how does he do that? Does he speak him?, yep. how does the lie get to you? Does Satan have a brain? A physical brain? Probably not. Does Christ have a physical brain? I think we're going to find that he does. With our new bodies in heaven, I think we're going to find we probably have new bodies. So does the Holy Spirit in you have a physical brain? When you get this, you're just going to, you got to be kidding me. It's been that simple? No. Do you understand what we're saying here? God Himself is in physical form. We're going to see that someday. Jesus Christ is in physical form. We're going to get to see that someday. We're going to get new bodies in heaven and, and we're going to experience that. But there's this spirit that is in God, this spirit that is in Christ that He literally places inside born-again Christians. And it becomes the mind of Christ. The very thoughts of Christ who dwells with His Father are being revealed inside of our mortal bodies. And if you say, I'm sorry, I just can't accept that, then I'm going to pray a different kind of prayer for you. I'm not praying you get it. I'm going to pray to make sure you got Him. This message of salvation is so refined, there's very few people in the entire world that are clear in presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christian from the Greek means what? Follower of Christ. What's the difference between a follower of Christ and an all believer? One has the Spirit of God in them and the other one is just following Him. So what happens when they get to the other end and there's no more road left to follow him? They have a wake-up call. But the thing is, it's on the other side. But I preached in your name. You see, what they're saying is that they were a Christian. They followed Christ. Christian means nothing to me. Absolutely nothing. Mormons believe they're Christians. Jehovah Witnesses believe they're Christians. There are cults all over the world that believe they're Christians. And all they're doing is saying they've integrated the name of Christ into their religion somehow. And call themselves Christian. For Pete's sake, 82.5% of the Americans say they're Christian. I say not Christ followers, well, they may have integrated his name into their speech somehow. But to be this kind of Christian, it takes having the mind of Christ through becoming a spiritual man. Now let's take a look at that. There are only two sources of wisdom. Intel, and that's what the human definition of wisdom is. Most people think that there's actually three sources. Source one is through the mind of Christ. Source two is through the mind of Satan. And the third source is made up by man, and that's man's own wisdom and intel through his own mind. This is where the sub-Godhead deception is birthed. You see, if you think your own mind can conceive its own destiny by your own choices, oh, I could be rich, all things work together for the good, that love, you see? Or, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. They're not emphasizing through Christ they're emphasizing I can do all things. This is that third element that is completely made up in the mind of Satan. He doesn't want you to look at him and give him all the credit right now. He wants love secondary credit during the emergent phase of the church. But when He reveals Himself in the end, He is going to demand 100% of your affections. Or you die. But that's not the hour for that. He wants man to think they can be their own God that decides on life and destination. And if you can convince me the world is not filled with that crap, Then I'll change the way I think. I mean, the whole 70s thing and the 80s thing about positive, motivational, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And the fact is, you can get into your 50s and then 60s. 50s, you're kind of like, can I really? 60s, you're kind of like, well, it really didn't work. You get into your 70s and you go, what's the point? I say take the thoughts of the 70-year-old people and go, that's the point. Life is pointless without having the mind of Christ in you. It's pointless. You're put here for a simple reason. To become a bridal member for Jesus Christ or not. Because if your lifespan is how many vapors? One. One lifespan is one vapor in the nostril of God. One life. So little Bubba's only having a few short years. He didn't even develop into a vapor. And God brought him back. One full lifespan is one vapor in God's nostril. Seven days How long is a thousand years to God? One day. This whole deal is seven days. That's it. To us, it's seven thousand years. And it's like, oh, come Lord, please, quickly. I got up this morning and said, oh Lord, please come quickly. It's just seven days to God. According to the Hebrew calendar, we are getting ready to enter the seven days thousand year mark, things are really close. Every Christian, indelible Christian, feels that, knows that, senses that from within. We're really close. This is a deceived person who supports the third option. And of course, we know plenty of exchange life teachers that not only support this weird wisdom, but they promote it. It is nothing more than a confession of friendship with the dictionary of men classified as the world. So, Shannon, would you please read that verse again of he who is friends with the world. Those of you listening online, we are in James chapter 4, particularly the first four verses. And one of the most insultive passages in the entire New Testament, according to survey, is the passage that Shannon is going to read right now.
1: You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility possibility to work Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself in God.
0: Okay, so whoever chooses to be a friend with the world Oh boy, here comes this harsh god stuff. Man. We need to turn God into an emergent God. I'm, we got to soften him up a little bit. Not this preacher. I want God full on immovable. I want him strong in his doctrines. I want to be the one to hear this kinds of stuff and go, "What?" And I work my entire life to be friends with the world? And friendship with the world does what, Janet? Okay. Who's James speaking to here? Unbelievers or believers? Believers. He is shaking their foundation. And what's it say after that? Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? I mean, think about this, guys. The foundation is... Do you, come on, guys. You think these Scriptures are speaking just randomly? That God jealously desires the Holy Spirit that He has made to dwell within you. That is all this is about. Your friendship with the world and your neighbor, and not wanting to embarrass you, you know, all this stuff that you get into because you're afraid of the gospel. Please, wherever you're listening, listen to this. Who is your God? Who are you promoting? What mind are you promoting? Friendship with the world is identified with the mind of Satan. This is his temporary domain. It will become his permanent domain. Do you realize that? God's going to snap open the globe. If you've read the book of Revelation, you're with me on this. He's going to snap open the globe. The molten, fiery lake of fire will just be waiting. He's going to toss Satan into that core and every emergent believer, every natural man is going to go in there with him. He's going to take this world and cast it into outer darkness. Do you know want to know what our universe is? It's a black box. Because I'm telling you, That God goes on forever that way, and God goes on forever that way. And this little universe is nothing more than a black box. There's no darkness in heaven. All the stars are turned out in, in the end, if you've read the book of Revelation. The sun's turned off. And he takes this globe and he tosses it into outer darkness. Nothing, nothing shall light that planet again but the fiery hell within its core. Now where we're going, this new heaven and this new earth, oh boy, it will be an absolute, beautiful, eternal, lit up by the Shekinah glory. You will find no darkness anywhere. So for these people to come along and reinvent Christianity and they think it's their own doing, their own intelligence, their own ideas, this copyright thing that we throw on uh, stuff that we write and publish and whatever, is to say you can't steal my material, but that is what we believe. Why, why have people pay for this? Paying for the gospel. I don't think that's the brightest way to do this because it isn't mine. It's, It's not yours. It is his. That all is born through this worldly concept of ownership. I own this. You can't have it unless you ask for permission. There's only two sources of wisdom. Shannon, go up to chapter 3 and read the last three verses of at, at the end of that chapter.
1: For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then preachable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is
0: sown in peace by those, who, by those who make peace. Now we have two sources. He's talking about their wisdom. The first source he's saying is those who are suffering with jealousy and selfish ambition. That wisdom is earthly, natural, and what's the other word used? Demonic. There's no human there. There's no human in it. Earthly, natural, and demonic. The second source of wisdom is what? Where does it come from? No, the second source. Where does the second source come from? Huh? Above. comes from heaven. How does it come from heaven? Through the mind of Christ in you, through the Holy Spirit placed within you. This is real simple math, guys. There's only two sources. If you think you have the capacity to think on your own, you are just simply being lied to. Sorry. You wake up every morning, you look in the mirror, and you're starting to judge yourself. You've got to fix this, you got to stretch this, tape this. You know. You're just being lied to because you have no ability to think on your own. All God has to do is turn off the light spiritually to you and you would go dark so fast it'd be ridiculous. What happens during the rapture? What happens to the Holy Spirit during the rapture? Withdrawn from, from the earth. How long does it take for the earth to completely deteriorate? It starts instantly. How long is the reign of the Antichrist? Huh? Seven years. Seven years Satan has temporary permission to rule the earth. Seven years after the Holy Spirit is taken off. Seven years. Everything in the past, every king, every queen, every intelligent being, every smart person. Every stubborn, independent person who stares in the mirror and sees hatred every morning, every human that invested in self life, it will deteriorate in seven years. Because God reached over and He turned the light out, took the Spirit of the living God from the earth. You have no power. You have nothing. You are absolutely nothing without God. If He decides it's over for you today, it's done. If He decides you're gonna have life today, you're gonna have life. You have no ability to control anything. You're, you're being lied to if you think you have your own wisdom. You're just buying into the same crap that all the other intels bought into through the generations. And they end up in the exact same place. Do you realize that? Some of the brightest people that God has ever created are suffering in the pit of Hades right now. Not one thought can deliver them. Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Those who practice the third source of wisdom may make themselves enemies of God. And those who blend the unadulterated truths of the exchanged life with this kind of wisdom are mixing evil with the holiness of the mind of Christ from within. Here's God's take on that. James 4, 4, as we read earlier, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God, and I only know one place those people go. James reminds us that friendship with the world And its terminology concepts is hostility toward God. He concludes for us that anyone, indwelt or not, who desires to be friends with the world, sets themselves up as enemies toward God. Paul too reminds us that the mindset on the flesh, trash left behind by the old nature, is hostile toward God. Romans 8, right here. For the mindset on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit of life is peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. Your flesh is best friends with the world. Your spirit is at odds with the world. That's why we get up in the morning and go, Oh, Jesus, come quickly. You're not a citizen here. You're a missionary. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh, unsaved, we walk after the flesh. Unsaved people are in it. They can't even please God. It's nobility. You'll never get a smile on God's face, listeners, if you don't have the life of Christ in you, living through you, and having dynamic relationship with God in you. James chapter 4. Sitting about you. The reason you see so much living death in and around into believers is due to the irresponsibility of the church. And its disciples who place an emphasis on change behavior. Our minds are not to be set on changing things about us that are not us, but rather on releasing the Spirit of life, which results in His behavior being manifested through us. This is the honest reason why so many into all believers don't experience permanent change in their character. And of course this is the passage James chapter 4 verse 5 we were talking about. God jealously desiring having relationship with the Spirit of God within us. So here's our reality check. Reality is this, our mindset on blending worldly fables with the life of Christ within us is not the answer. God is interested in maintaining an intimate relationship with the Spirit who He has made to dwell within us. When this is not our focus, we cause God to be jealous. It isn't about us or the changing of our behavior. Any living outside of releasing the Spirit to enjoy intimacy with the Father through us causes God to be hostile. Plain and simple. Our responsibility is to set our affections on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And by denying blockage that gets in the way of the Spirit having relationship with the Father through our mortal bodies. We must say no to these things that block the Father through Christ, through the Holy Spirit in us, all having living, breathing, dynamic, tri-unit relationship with each other. We are the vessel, like the human brain, that is a vessel for thoughts. It's not the place of conception. Do you get it? If you don't, you need to pray a different kind of prayer. The three of them have this wonderful intimate relationship going and Satan tried to get in and mix it up. Humanism is trying to get in and mix it up and God is simply saying this. If you mess with it, you're setting yourself up as my enemy. You know, it doesn't take a junior high kid to figure out where the enemy goes. Kindergartners know that. So we have been given the privilege and the honor to have the Holy Spirit put in us and we become the righteousness of Jesus Christ? We become the bride of Jesus Christ? Oh, what greater gift is there than that? But we better let go and let the three of them do what they've always done and that's enjoy their intimacy with each other. And if you think Christianity is about you, then you need to understand. Listen, listeners, no matter what country you're listening from, you need to understand this simple truth. If you think Christianity is about you, you're being lied to by your preacher, your teacher, yourself. I don't care. You're being lied to. Christianity isn't about you. You. He loves you because you are the vessel He has chosen for the Spirit. So that He can continue relationship with the Spirit within you. So you're given a special gift of being a vessel of righteousness. That's what the whole book of Romans is about. But it isn't about us. If it was about us, there would not be people going to hell. It's about Christ and the Spirit living in you. Closing on this. So how do we make this profound truth applicable to our lives? The first thing we must do is not buy into the lie that man has the ability to change behavior. I know most of you are going to wait until you're 72 to figure that one out. Because as long as you have energy... Long as you have self effort, you're going to keep trying to change behavior. You're going to realize one day it didn't work. Because I know what the scriptures say. God loves failures. Secondly, we need to have a spirit understanding that is no longer the it is no longer the indwelt Christian who lives, but Christ who lives within them. The reality of this note is that the mind of Christ actually dwells within each of us. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. My daily goal is actually to know nothing in my mind that is outside the fact that Jesus Christ actually lives in me to embrace the experiential truth contained within My blessed understanding of the co-crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 So when I preach, teach, disciple, or whatever, it has to be absolute, utmost important to me that any words that get out of my mouth that people need to forget if it has to do with something other than the mind of Christ. But anything that comes from the Spirit of the living God needs to be remembered for eternity. Nobody can reveal the truth to us, no matter if they're a strong preacher or a weak preacher, whatever that means, but the Holy Spirit is one that reveals the truth. So, Father, I pray this day that nothing would be remembered that has come from any words, Father, other than the Holy Spirit revealing them in us. Father, I know that there's been some online listeners that uh, are really struggling with wanting to push away from this message, wanting to get away, wanting to stop hearing these truths, particularly those who have worked their entire lives of being friends with the world. And I pray, Father God, in Jesus' name, You'd set that person free. You'd release them from the world's attachment. And they become real, rich children of the living God. And God, you and I both know that that can only take place through the great exchange. Christ in us and our old self being put on the cross. So Father, please, emails have to be sent or conversations have to be had to explain some of the details of how to truly receive Jesus Christ into our mortal bodies to literally house the mind of Christ, I pray that they would send those emails. Father, I pray those phone calls are made or that they would get to someone to truly have true salvation explained to them. So, Father, we thank you and honor you and bless you for what you have given to us today in Jesus' name. Amen.